Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verses scripture and I'll say today I, I got our media team started on verses This whole series is heavy on the word of the Lord, which is fine But I know there's probably about 75 verses just within this one lesson And so I doubt I'll probably even get through it all today So I didn't send all 75 verses to them And uh, they may not always be up there But I'll try to give you reference and I'll try to read them up here myself But just trying to make you aware of that uh, that's a lot of verses. That's a lot of verses. So uh, you can find them, though, in the word of the Lord. So <laughs> that's always helpful. John 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, everybody say believeth, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38 Peter's answer to those that were in Jerusalem when they were pricked in their heart about having crucified their Messiah, Lord and Savior, and asked, what can we do? The Bible says, then Peter said unto them, repent, everyone say repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This morning, this is our second quote-unquote lesson, third time of teaching, that is, amen. But as our second lesson, we want to talk about today about faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. How many's in love with the Lord? In love with the plan of salvation that God has given and the Word of God. Amen. So we're going to look at some things to some may be familiar to others that may not be familiar, but we must rehearse them in our ears. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you, Jesus, today. And I'm thankful, Lord, for an opportunity to be in this house. I'm thankful, Lord, for the songs that have been sung, your spirit, God, that has been with us, that we have felt, Lord, during, Lord Jesus, the singing master of those songs. I pray, oh, Lord, God, let this truth, God, go forth. and God, help us to find a place for it Jesus to stay and solidify in our hearts God and will not fail to thank you and praise you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen the church say amen Amen. you may be seated this morning faith and repentance so we're just going to get in our feet wet real here really uh, concerning the things uh, scripturally that is that are required or the scriptural steps if you will for salvation Amen. Scriptural steps for salvation. As you read your Bibles, you could take any per se, hone in on a verse, for instance, just like John 3, 16, that he that believeth in him should not perish, have everlasting life. Say, well, there you go. You believe. That's what, this, that's what it takes for salvation. But you must take the whole uh, uh, summary, the whole bit of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation to have really a firm understanding of what it takes for salvation. We cannot take an isolated verse and then just base all of it just up on that verse because this is, as we already know, is a holy book with the contents of those 66 books although written over those span of years that we won't quiz you on today, or how many writers, but one author. And so uh, belief is important, but also 
repentance is as important as well. And also in the Word of God, we'll come across other things that are important to uh, salvation, such as baptism and also the infilling of the Holy Ghost when we read the whole, if you will, span of Scripture that tells us the things that are needful uh, for scriptural steps, if you will, for salvation. But first off this morning, considering salvation, let's consider uh, the faith that is needed according to Scripture for salvation. Now, faith in God, you might call it belief in God or faith in God, um, it, it's essential. It is absolutely necessary to have faith in God in order to receive salvation. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6, and Hebrews 11 is the great faith chapter. It talks about all those various individuals that had faith and exercised faith through the Old Testament on up through the patriarchs of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and talks about some of the ladies and it talks about all these people of faith. But when you begin to read uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it starts out really talking about Abel having faith and that he offered a more perfect sacrifice than Cain and it was it was received of the Lord and then it talks about Enoch anybody remember Enoch from the Old Testament scriptures that early Enoch who the Bible says walked with God and then was not he was translated as it were unto heaven and the Bible said because he had this testimony that he pleased God by faith by faith, it talks about how he was translated, by faith that he pleased God. It's then that we come to verse number six, then that contrasts already two individuals that exercise faith. Abel had faith and offered. Uh, Enoch has faith and pleased God, evidently with his life in some fashion and way. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to read all of Hebrews 11 and see the correlation that faith normally, or I say always, faith has tied to it some type of work. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch, he pleased. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, built an ark. By faith, Abraham went. Faith is tied with some type of action. So verse 11, or verse 6 of chapter 11 of Hebrews 11, noticed in the contrast, so we know faith, these things happen, but without faith, the other side of the coin, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. He just spoke of Enoch, who by faith pleased God. Now he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God. So we, we, we beat this like a dead horse sometimes. But even our coming to God, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What? That God exists. That there is such a thing as God. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that digitally seek him. And so this, among other scriptures, is one reason why we say one of the scriptural steps for salvation is having faith or having belief. Because uh, to get salvation from a God, you got to believe that there is a God, that that God exists, or you will not even approach him. If you don't believe in him, you will not approach him. If you don't believe in the Easter bunny, you will not approach them for the eggs and the grass. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so you must believe that they are. The Bible also tells us in John 3 and verse 36, we know John 3, 16, that's what we read for God so loved the world, but John 3, 36, there's a verse there as well. And it's important to look at Scripture in the context in which it lies, a verse in which, you know, the verses before, the verses after in which it lies. Because when you read John chapter number 3, John 3 is where Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and had that conversation with him. That led into, you know, about Jesus saying, unless you're born, 
again, you cannot enter in or you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus is asking, well, how can I be born again? Do I have to enter the second time into my mother's womb? And Jesus made it more evident and detailed. You must be born of water and born of spirit in order for this to happen. And so he's talking about all of that. Amen. And then it says in John 3, 36, he that believeth on the Son, so that kind of ties with the John 3, 16, because whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Again, can't just cherry pick, take one scripture. Look at the grouping of scripture that this is with. This the story of Nicodemus. Jesus telling Nicodemus what is required to see or enter the kingdom of God. Born of water and spirit. Yet also in all of that plan of salvation is also, yes, it does take belief. It does take faith. Amen. For matters that we've already spoke of. James chapter number 2 and verse number 19. James chapter number 2 is where the Bible was speaking of faith. How faith without works is dead. It even speaks in that, that context of Scripture. He says, if, you, if you'll try to show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. We've stated it before then. A faith that doesn't have works then, according to Scripture, is dead. It's non-existent. Faith is accompanied by works. And so it's speaking about this faith. And it says then in James 2, 19, look at this. Thou believest that there is one God? said thou dost well the devils also believe and tremble it takes it takes belief as a step of salvation but belief alone doesn't qualify for salvation if that was the case the devils would have salvation they believe also and tremble all right and so you believe that there is one God. And so, yes, that is necessary. That, that, that is a scriptural step for salvation. But we also then have, as we're going to talk about today, faith, but also repentance. That asking for forgiveness from the Lord, but more than asking for forgiveness of something that in the past has been done, it's also turning away from that type of behavior. It's not just asking for forgiveness for things that's been done, but it's having a change of mind frame and behavior about that so that from that point forward, you're going to endeavor to live life differently. All right? Because really, what, what good, and I'm just asking this rhetorically, what good would it be to ask forgiveness for something done in the past only not to have a change of mind or behavior about it in the future and continue doing it? Right? Amen. So repentance is important because it is that forgiveness, that asking for forgiveness, but also that stepping away, amen, once you believed on God and his word. For, for instance, you're probably not going to ask forgiveness in a God that you don't believe in. So then there again, belief is important. Having faith in God is important. You can look, look at Luke chapter number 13 and verse number 5. And I, I try, I'm trying to give setting because these, these are just isolated verses, but I'm trying to give setting of, of where they are located in the Scripture in the context of the Scripture. Luke 13 and verse number 5. The Bible is going to state some words, but the context of the Scripture is this. Um, they have come, and the Bible says that uh, some came to the Lord and they told him of, uh, some of the Galileans whose blood that Peter had mingled with their sacrifices. And uh, Jesus basically spoke to them. He said, 
basically, are these sinners above all other sinners because, you know, they've suffered, their lives have been taken, and since their lives have been taken, a lot of people thought if something bad in that day, if something bad happened to individuals because of their sin. That's the reason why whenever you see the man that was uh, blind, the Bible often says, well, who, who did sin, he or his parents? Because they oftentimes related, if a person had something bad to happen to them, well, bless God, they must be a low-down, no-good sinner. And so the Lord's asking, well, since these Galileans lost their lives, are, are they sinners above all other sinners? He even tells them in verse number three of that verse, he says, no. He says, nay. He said, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Then he talks about 18 people, that there was a, a, a tower of Siloam that fell and it killed 18 people. He said, are those people, those 18, are they more sinners than all other sinners? And he tells them again, then in verse number five, I tell you, nay. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In other words, what the, Jesus was saying unto those that were listening was this. Sinners are sinners. Sinners are sinners. It's not that these are above all other sinners. You know, we got this graduation. We got this pecking order of sinners. Now, humanity sometimes sees it that. Oh, they murdered? <gasps> they told a lie? Eh. That's humanity. But what Jesus is saying, sinners are sinners. He says it's not like these are above others or these have done worse than others. Sin is sin, and he capstones it with this, and all sinners are in need of repentance or they perish. The murderer needs to repent for his sin or he'll perish, just as much as the liar needs to repent of his sin or he'll perish. They all get, and if they don't, they all get the same, if you want to call it reward, I'd call it punishment. They all get the same punishment. Wherever we think they are on the pecking order of sin, that's all the same punishment. Amen. But if they repent, they get the same reward. Amen. Repentance is required. Amen of the word of the Lord. Except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 19 says this. It says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Again, Peter in this setting of scripture had called them to realize that they had killed their prince of life. They had killed, so to speak, their Messiah, the one that they were looking for. In other words, the same person, because this is Acts 3, the same person that had just healed the lame man at the gate called Beautiful and brought strength into his ankle bones and legs and caused him to walk is the very one that they had uh, go, taken, going to take to a cross, amen, the prince of life and was going to take his life, so to speak. And he was telling them, you must repent. Repentance is important. I got to go on. I will never get anywhere. Amen. Another step, another one of the scriptural steps for salvation we'll look at in weeks to come is baptism. Baptism, being immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 through 16, and he, Jesus, said unto them, all right? And he, he, he's coming to the eleven. The setting of the scripture is Jesus talking to the eleven because primarily, you can read in the scripture before this, they did not believe the reports of those that had come to them and said, hey, Jesus is alive. Like the two boys to Emmaus and others that had witnessed the Lord alive after his crucifix, they come back to the disciples and said, hey, guys, 
It's just like he said it would be. He's alive and living. Some of them still had doubts and disbelief. And so the Lord comes to them here in Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 and 16. And he, Jesus, said to them, the 11, go ye into all the world. He says, preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth, there's that faith and is baptized, shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. He speaks of baptism in Acts 22 and verse number 16. The Bible says, and now why tarriest thou? Let's set the setting of scripture. Ananias has went to find Saul, the persecutor of the church, persecuted the Christians. But Saul's went on his way to Damascus, been knocked down off his high donkey. Seen a bright light, he's blinded. He's at the house of one uh, of, 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 uh, in the city of Damascus. And Ananias goes there to speak to him. He prays for him. And he says, and now why tarriest thou arise? He's speaking to Saul, that persecutor of Christians. He said, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. We'll look at this later, but baptism is more than a confession of faith. Something happens in baptism. Be baptized and wash away thy sins. Calling on the name, or if you will, evoking the name, invoking the name of the Lord. Amen. Because when we baptize, we baptize in his name. And his name is Jesus. You invoke that name. It washes away sins in baptism. All right? And so it's, re- it's necessary. Another step we'll look at in weeks to come is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is basically having God's Spirit living inside of us. Amen? Hallelujah. It's like, now this is a, maybe not the best of analogies, but it's like having OnStar in your car. Push the button, boom, they're there. It's right here. It's having him live inside of us. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse number 11, and, and, and again, I wanna, I'm going to give a little context of Scripture because I think it's so vitally important. Hebrews chapter number 8. I want, though, and I'll look at this in just a minute, but Hebrews chapter number 8, verse number 11, the Bible states, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in everybody say dwell in dwell in you it's important old testament people before calvary didn't have the possibility of an indwelt spirit you read in the old testament you see the spirit moved upon the prophet or moved on this one always moving upon all right but jesus even said i believe it's in john 14 that he said he's been with them but i shall be in you (laughs) because when he went away he was going to send the comforter which is the holy ghost which the father was going to send in his name and so what moved on them in the old testament god incarnate god in flesh known as jesus christ walked with them but on the day of pentecost they had the ability of it being in them so it went from move on to walk with to move in Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, you can feel the presence of God without having the Holy Ghost. You can feel it move upon you. You, you, you don't even have to be living a great life to feel the moving of the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. But you need the spirit not just to move on you, You need it to move in you 
dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, if you have that spirit that raised him up in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Someone say, in me. In me. In me. Notice what verse 9 said above that. Acts, or Romans 8, 11. Look at verse number 9. 8, verse number 9. Chapter 8, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, now this is a real forward verse, folks. Uh, this is, and sometimes when we do these in Bible studies, I, I almost cringe coming up on this because I'm thinking, man, they're going to think I'm slapping people around. But this is the Word of God. That if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, and it's speaking about it dwelling in us, then he is none of his. The Bible says if you go up one more verse there in chapter number 8, verse number 8, it tells us that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hmm? They that are in the flesh cannot please God. And then he turns the table, but you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit dwells. (laughs) Yeah, you're still flesh and blood, but you're trying to walk in a manner that's after the spirit. And you have that spirit inside of you. Someone say amen. And so we need the infilling of the Holy Ghost or we're none of his. We need the infilling of the spirit, amen, in our lives. So it will quicken our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Amen. So the salvation of the Lord, it's, it's, it's essential. It's necessary to see enter into the kingdom of God. It does take that faith and that repentance and that baptism and that infilling of the Holy Ghost. But our major concern for this morning is supposed to be faith and repentance. We're going to try to talk to it and talk about it for a few minutes. Amen. If I never get to our lesson. Amen. So this, this salvation, this work that God does in our life, um, it helps. Salvation helps. And for that matter, faith and repentance helps separate us from the sin that we have known but also unite us with the God we need to know. I oftentimes say it like this. It it, it helps separate us from sin, but separate us unto God. Separate us from sin, but separate us unto God. Even Jesus in his earthly ministry, after all the temptations in the wilderness, and he went away in the strength and the power of the Spirit, the Bible says that he began to minister and preach. And what he preached, what he preached was in his public ministry starting with faith and repentance. You can look at it in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So here is the coupling together in one passage of scripture of repentance and faith. The word belief there means faith in. In other words, repent ye and have faith in the gospel. It also means to commit to. (laughs) Repent and believe or commit to the gospel. Well, the gospel... We know according to 1 Corinthians 15, you can read verses 1 through 4 there, explains what the gospel is, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You can read those first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. If I'm going to commit, how do I commit to, the, how do I commit to his death? How do I commit to his burial? How do I commit to, you know, his resurrection? We do that through our repentance. 
which mirrors or parallels his death. We do that with baptism, which parallels or mirrors his burial. We do that with the infilling of the Holy Ghost that parallels his resurrection. That's how we commit to it. Now, faith and repentance. That's great, Brother McGee. Maybe someone is here this morning and they're saying, you know what? Why in the world does, is it that mankind even needs to be saved in the first place? I'm a good person, right? I'm a good person. There's a lot of good people here. Why in the world does mankind need to be saved in the first place? Well, there are a few reasons. Number one, we need to be saved because we are sinners. We're born into the world like that. You can't change it. We are sinners. I mean, you can't change being born like that. We are sinners. Also, we need to be saved from the separation that sin brings when we are sinners. Because whenever you're a sinner, it separates you from your creator. Separates you from God. And so we need to be saved as a result of that. We need to be saved from death. Now, I'm not talking about a tombstone out in the cemetery, but I'm going to talk about it here in a little bit. We need to be saved from the second death. The book of Revelation talks about it's a death where you're constantly in a state of dying but never die. It's where death and hell is thrown into the lake of fire. It's the second death. We need to be saved from that. Amen. And so let's look, first of all, we need to be saved from sin because sin, in essence, is rebellion against God. The simplest definition of sin is this, miss the mark. It is. To miss the mark. And so when we miss the mark that he has prescribed for our lives, it's an offense against God. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 3, and I'm going to turn there this morning digitally, Romans chapter number 3. I got smart. You know, used to years ago when a, we didn't have all this and you went to scriptures, you had to turn pages. You know, get there, you know, with everybody. Now we have digital age and you just hit Romans 3 verse, you know, so on and so forth. <clears throat> Boy, we have it easy now, don't we? <clears throat> Amen. The Bible says in verse 10, as it is written, there is an unrighteous, no, not one. So... And there went my thinking this morning. Man, I thought I was a good person. There's none righteous. No, not one. It says then in verse 23 of that same chapter, for all have sinned. What? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, now there's something I want you to look at. In this context of Scripture, you look at verse number 9, and Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's even questioning with them, said, are we better than they? He's speaking about... You know, you know, the Gentiles, are we better than they? No, in no wise. So we have proved before, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. <laughs> Dealing with a large portion of the society of that day that would have been Jews and thought they were the cream de cream, right? They were better off than everybody else. They might have had Abraham as their father, huh? But they needed Jesus as their father just as much as any Gentile. Amen. And so he tells them they're all under sin as a matter of fact if you will look at verse 19 of this same chapter look at verse number 19 he's talking about the law and to them that are under the law look what he's saying here he said the lord introduced the law into our lives all those that are under the law to be abiding by the law look at the last phrase all the world may become guilty before god there's the purpose of the law to show us you know what we are not keepers of the law very well Show us that we are sinners. You know what then that made? Every man, boy, girl, Jew, Gentile, it made everybody's guilty. And so when we're born in this world as sinners, we're born in guilty before God. 
We need saved from our guilt. We need saved from our sin. Look at verse number 22 of this same chapter. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, and to all, and all them that believe, for there is no difference. Again, he's, he's underscoring the fact there is no difference between Jew and Gentile whenever it comes to salvation. They all need saved. They are all sinners. Mm-hmm. The plan is the same for everyone. I want to say that again. The plan is the same for everyone. We, according to Scripture, we're not living by the concept that all roads lead to heaven. The plan is the same for everyone. There is no difference in them being sinners and there is no difference for their redemption concerning the plan. There is no difference. But we need, we need to be saved because we have sinner life. And here's the thing. Brother McGee, I haven't done anything wrong. But sin isn't only about active sin. It's about passive sin. Active sin are things that you commit. Passive sin are things you should do but you're not doing. There's sins of commission that you commit that's active, and there's sins of omission, things you should do, but you're not doing. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, this is quite a lesson. Lasciviousness, an evil eye, blaspheming. This is all coming from the heart of men. This pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Come from the heart of man. No wonder. No wonder we say things like, their heart's just not quite right with God. <laughs> no wonder. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. No man can know it. Amen. But what comes out from our heart then identifies us oftentimes because you'll remember in 1 Corinthians 6, it begins to describe people who were fornicators, adulterers, thieves. So it's not talking about the action. It's talking now about the people that have done the action. The, 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 the thieves, thieve. The fornicators, fornicate. And he said, and such were all some of you. <laughs> he said, but you've been sanctified, justified, washed, What's happened? A plan of salvation for you. You needed saved from that. And that then changed. You're no longer a fornicator. One who fornicates. But now you're a child of God. But then there's sins of omission. All right. There's a scripture in James 4, 7. Failing to do some of the things that the Lord wants us to do. It says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do what? And doeth it not. To him it is sin. And so we can do wrong by not doing some things that should be done. We also need to be saved, as I said, from the separation. Sin always separates. And you get that in our mind. Sin always separates. It did in the Garden of Eden. Brother and Sister Trout, whenever Adam and Eve did what they done, it wasn't very long. They're sitting on the outside of Eden. And now there is an angel with a flaming sword guarding the entrance. It separated. Sin always separates us and more importantly it separate what it separates us from it separates us from god amen and so as unforgiven sinners you know what when we enter this world as unforgiven sinners we're estranged from our creator we're separated and isolated from god when we are in sin we cannot have fellowship with god 
He said in the New Testament, walk in the light as I am the light, and we shall have fellowship one with the other. But when you walk in the darkness, you don't have fellowship with the light. Huh? Because the moment that darkness and light intersect, darkness is no longer darkness. <laughs> There's a light that's come on. And so the only way to have fellowship, though, something has to take place. We need to be saved from that separation. Look at Isaiah 59 and verse number 2 uh, this morning. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2. But your iniquities have separated. And that word iniquities right there is quite, quite interesting. It means your guilt of your condition has separated. Because what happens if someone is guilty? What happens? You have a child that's done something wrong. They're guilty. They feel that guilt. What? They kind of duck their head. They don't really want to associate because they're feeling what? It causes separation. Guilt causes separation. But he says, he says, but your iniquities or the guilt of your condition have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Amen. Listen, and this, if you look at verses 1, and I'm going to go there real quick, Isaiah 59 in verse number 1. If you look at verse number 1, him not being able to hear you or these type of measures is not because he cannot reach you. Because the Bible talks about starting out how the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. It says that his ear is not heavy so that he could not hear. So it's not about him having the inability to hear you. That's not what it's about. It's about this sin problem, this guilt issue in your life that's separating you from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. John 9 and verse number 31. The gospel of John 9 verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. Now I'll underscore that here in a moment. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him will he hear. Brother McGee, how in the world is anybody going to be saved if God don't hear sinners? Well, there's different about a sinner crying out that's looking toward change and a sinner that's crying out. Just because they got caught or... Just because there's something wrong in their life and they want God to intervene on their behalf, but they're not going to change their ways. God knows not just the voice or the words or the phrase of a sinner. He knows the in-depths of the heart of a sinner. He knows the motive of the prayer and the cry. So when it says God doesn't hear sinners, he don't hear those that are just doing lip service to God. But those that have a heart for change, for a difference, God will hear that. Amen. But he knows the very intents and desires, the Bible says, of our hearts amen amen also we need to be saved from death so again salvation is not going to save you from kicking the bucket someday okay <laughs> the bible says it's appointed to man once to die doesn't matter who you are it's not going to save you from that but it can help save you from eternal punishment and that's the death we're talking about we're talking about the second death webster dictionary defines salvation as this the spiritual rescue from the consequences of sin. The spiritual rescue of the consequences of sin. And the Bible does teach us that if, if there's no amending of the ways, if there's no indwelling of the Spirit, that we then are set up for some eternal consequences. That's beyond the grave. The Bible says in Ezekiel 18 and verse number 20, just a little phrase from there, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. Uh, it was dealing with an Old Testament law in Deuteronomy that used to, uh, the sins of the fathers was paid for by their children, even to the third and fourth generation. 
And so there came an enlightenment, a moment here in the scripture that basically the one who sins, that's the one who's going to serve the consequences. That's the one who's going to pay, if you will, the price. We are made responsible for our own sin. Someone say amen. That is important. You are responsible for you. Your sins. I'm not saying that there can never be any outside influences sometimes that help lead us down roads or maybe there's family lives and stuff that had influence. But when it's all said and done, outside of all that, we have choices that we make every day. And we are responsible for ourselves, for our sin. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin, right? The payment of sin is death. But the gift of God, on the flip side of the coin, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, we live now in what we would call the church or the grace dispensation. Amen. The grace of God is heavy. There's love, there's compassion, all that. But there will be a day that there will not be mercy mixed in with the judgment of the Lord, the Scripture says. There will be a day of the rapture. There will be the day of the second coming of the Lord. And He will visit all sin and sinners with His punishment. What we have right now is a span of time of mercy. A span of time to make it right before the door shut. It's kind of like uh, if you're going somewhere and they have a cutoff date. If you, by this date, you know, we even have it around here, you know, for registration for conferences at this date, the price is going to increase. Or at this date, they won't receive any more registrations. Well, you got to span a window of time to do it by an appointed time. Well, when's that time? I can't tell you. I don't know. But I do know it's in the future somewhere. It could be the next second future. I don't know. But nonetheless, the Lord is going to come, going to visit all sin and sinners. And so we need to be saved from death, the wrath and the punishment, the vengeance, if you will, of God. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse number 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath or punishment through him. Now, here's where we need to talk about then this death, the second death, being saved from death. Again, you're not going to be saved from physical death unless, unless he comes before you die. <laughs> that would be the only way. But physical death is the first death. All right? Being saved from death, as Scripture is alluding to here, is the everlasting punishment, the wrath that is to come, that is known as the second death. All right? The Bible speaks in Revelations 20. Let me go there just real quickly. Revelation chapter number 20, verses 5 and 6, it says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, and this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, listen, everybody, everybody is going to resurrect. Some, though, you read the scripture, some's going to be resurrecting unto everlasting life. Some's going to be resurrecting into damnation. Those that resurrect into everlasting life are those that are part of the first resurrection. All right? And then there will be those that after uh, the millennial reign of Christ are going to be a resurrection, if you will, of others. And that resurrection goes straight to the judgment throne. 
Amen. And the Bible says they will get their, if you will, reward or punishment. And the second death that the scripture speaks of, let me find the verse of scripture, the second death, Revelations 2 and verse number 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And that second death is whenever death and hell is thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. Um, so we need saved from death. I don't want any part of that. No, thank you. You thought the first death was bad. The second one's going to be horrible. Because you're going to be in a state of dying, but never die. You have the pain, the anguish, the suffering of dying, but it never come to a completion. It's going to be an ongoing thing for all eternity. It will be an eternal dying. Amen. I don't want to have anything to do with that at all. But salvation, God's spirit inside of you. If you see, there's there's two births, there's two there's two deaths, and really two resurrections in our lives that can be. You're born the first time by your mother's womb, but you can be born the second time by the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. The thing is this: if you're born twice, you only die once. But if you're born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to have first and second death. All resurrect. So what I'm saying this morning, if you've been born and not born again, you need born again so you don't die twice. Hallelujah. Woo. I felt the moving on of the spirit right there. You know. <laughs> Amen. Spring up a well. <clears throat> so, Again, salvation won't spare us from physical death, which is the first death, but it can take care of us in our second death. Amen. The Bible says in John 11 and verse number 25, Jesus said unto her, speaking unto uh, uh, Martha, she talked about Lazarus, how he was dead. Lord, we know that he will live in the resurrection. She even knew that he would resurrect. But the Jesus said to her, he said, I am the resurrection. Woo! I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth, here we are again, faith. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Dead, though he were dead, what are you talking about? Because you're dead really in two ways. You can have a physical death, but while you're sitting on these pews alive physically this morning, if you don't know the Lord, if you're not repenting of your sins, you're dead in your sins, the Bible says. You're dead in your sins. You are the walking dead. You are physically alive, but you dead spiritually. You dead in your sins. But you need salvation. You need that faith. You need that repentance. You need to take care of that separation of sin in your life. That you can become alive in the spirit. John 6 in verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last days. Amen. You need that spirit. You need that spirit to be a part of the first resurrection that will resurrect you when the trump of God sounds. Huh? Right? Because the Bible says, they that are dead in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. That's important. It did not say, and they that are dead shall rise first. That would mean any individual that has died would rise in that moment. That's not the case. There is a qualifier there. Those that are dead in Christ. 
shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. You want to be in Christ and Christ in you. And I've said it before. You want to get in Christ through your water baptism. You get Christ in you through being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you're in Christ when the trump sounds, you'll get up. Hallelujah. Amen. I guess that's a good place to stop, huh? <laughs> we are not even. This might take three weeks on faith and repentance, but we'll do it. Stand with me this morning. Faith and repentance. Why do we need to be saved? We're just looking at a little bit of that. We still need to linger on faith some more. Linger on some repentance. Amen some more. Is this all right? Man, aren't these scriptures good? This is God's word. You need a, you need a, a, a place that you can draw a line to. Principles of God's word. Faith and repentance. If we bow our heads here this morning, it would be amiss, it would be wrong of me to close this service and not give someone an opportunity in this place today from what they've already heard to not act upon maybe something that needs to be acted on. Maybe, maybe you, you, you are in that mode right now. Oh, I see then today. We're all sinners. There's no difference. Jew, Gentile, it's all, we all need saved and it takes the same plan for that salvation. And I want to start that walk. If you have faith in God today, if you believe that he is, he's in existence and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him, this altar is open for you today. You can take that faith and you can meet him here at a place of repentance this morning hallelujah you can with the Lord start dealing with start dealing with the sin issue and the separation that comes and the guilt that comes as a result of that separation you can this morning start the process to be saved from death that second death of judgment and wrath that is to come someday it's just as sure as a date on the calendar that we may not know of. And so we got, we got to make our call in our election. We got, to, we got to act. We got to work. The Bible says, wild as day. For night will come with no man. We, in other words, we got to move now. This is not something to put off for another opportunity or another time. We got to move now. But there's a plan. He's got a plan for us. It's very simple. We got to believe, if you will, or commit to the gospel. We got to commit to that death and that burial and that resurrection. We got to commit to that repentance, that baptism, that Holy Ghost and feeling. The Lord is reaching today. I feel the spirit of the Lord here this morning. He's reaching today. If you need help today, you say, Brother McGee, Brother McGee, I've done real good. I've not done some things, but perhaps there's some sin of omissions. Perhaps there's some sin of omissions, and we'll look at it in weeks to come. Repentance isn't just a one-time thing. Repentance is just not some, some initial step to salvation. Repentance is a maintenance step that's a part of securing and keeping salvation in our life. Maybe somebody here today just needs to go to the Lord in repentance and just lay some things down and say, God, I need forgiveness from this point back. And God, I'm here today saying I'm going to try to have the right attitude and motive, Lord, this day forward. Hallelujah. These altars are open today. As many of the church members that can, can we come forward today? Stand or kneel, however it would work best for you. And let's pray. Let's talk to God. There's people that need the Lord. There's people that need, hallelujah, their faith to be uh, brought to life. There's people today that need to have times of repentance with God it may be us hallelujah I guarantee you there's days in my life I need a repentant heart hallelujah because things I've faced or said or done or didn't do perhaps hallelujah it's a part of the salvation plan but it's also a part of our daily lives Paul said I die daily what's he talking about he's talking about repenting he's talking about laying down some things he's, he's talking about making the slate clean and clear again with God having the soundness of mind
Hallelujah. Somebody needs the Spirit not just to move on you, but to move in you. You've experienced perhaps oftentimes the moving of the Spirit. You felt it move upon you. You felt something come over you. But sir or ma'am, you need that Spirit of God to move inside of you. To move inside of you today. Hallelujah. It's His biblical prescription for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Let's sing today. Pray to God. Pray to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.